I love being here. I love this church, actually. This is such a great church. There's, there's such a, um, I just felt like this morning in particular, that it was really special, just the Lord coming in power and ministering to so many. How many of you were here this morning? Great. Where were the rest of you? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but it just felt really special, actually. And, um, and so um, in, for tonight, so I'm just going to um, say I was asked to share about um, perseverance um, uh, for this morning and then also tonight. They said, do you want to do that uh, teach? I said, absolutely, because um, I feel like it's always a privilege um, to serve the local church. I love the local church. As messed up as the church can be, there's nothing like it. And, um, and boy, I really um, have appreciated the local church even more in the last few years. Have you not? Because all you have to do is have something taken away from you for a little bit, and then, you know, we realize how valuable it is. Hard lesson to learn. Um, and so uh, this morning I, t- I spoke on uh, perseverance in one way, and tonight I'm going to talk about, so if you missed that, you can, can they, whatever, online or whatever you have. Um, and then, uh, but tonight I want to talk about um, perseverance in a different way, talking about making my life count. And it's kind of like a question that we don't often ask ourselves, but I'm a big believer in, um, you know, asking, you know, some questions about, uh, you know, who I am, what's working, what's not working. In fact, at the end of every year, I just sort of write out some of the things that I feel like were the Lord and some of the things that I felt like actually ended up being the Lord and then things that didn't feel like they really, you know, kind of came through the th- the way that I thought they would, but I think I'm a big believer in kind of learning from the season that we've been in, and a, a believer, because how many know you don't want to live some seasons over again, you know, and, um, and so I love doing that at the end of, the, of each year, I try to do that, because I think it's really important, and I think sometimes we don't ask ourselves questions as um, what, it, what it looks like to make my life count, I think it's so easy to forget that what we have, like every breath we have is a privilege. And every moment that we're here, and as long as we're here, there's purpose for our life. As long as God has you here, there's a purpose that God wants to do in you and through you. And so wondering what our life is for and what it's about and what God's doing and what God wants to do is something I think that we have to, have to keep asking. And I, I think one of the things that I think is really important is that we have to be intentional in the things that we want to become. Because how many know if you aim for nothing, you're bound to hit it? There's something about being really intentional about what God's doing in us, what God's saying to us, but also what we want to become. And we really do. This life goes so fast. This, the older I get, I realize that. And I, I feel really old every time I say it. But the truth is, it does go very fast. And, um, you know, kids grow up really fast. And seasons that you have with your kids change. And, I mean, so many, so many things that you think, well, you're never going to get out of. They last, you know, they, for only a moment. And so every, every moment that we have is, is important. And... Again, if God has us here, then we want to know what is it that God is doing in us and what is it that God is doing through us. And so I think a good question to ask ourselves, because a lot of people don't know, why am I here? What is my life for? What is my purpose in life? And that's okay. I think sometimes we don't learn those things until we step into the things that God has called us to do. But one of the ways that I've found the, what I'm 
supposed to be doing is I ask myself the question, what am I willing to die for? Because the things that I'm willing to die for and the things that I'm willing to sacrifice for are usually the things that I value and that I love. Because how many know when, you, when you're in love or you love someone, you'll sacrifice. You'll do whatever to be with that person. When, when you love Jesus, you want to be with Jesus. You want to spend time with Jesus. And when we're doing the thing that God has called us to do, we, we want to give our life to it. This is not like just a season that we enter into. This is like a lifestyle. Like the kingdom of God is advancing right now. Do you see how, this is like amazing if you think about this. The kingdom of God is advancing and God has said, and I want you a part of it. So whether or not we choose to be a part of it, God's kingdom is still advancing. Whether we feel it or not, is it God's, kingdom, God's kingdom is advancing. And so asking ourselves the question, what is it that I'm really willing to sacrifice for? Because that will tell you what you value. And if you don't love it, then you ask God to give you a love for it. Because he will give you a love for it. And the more that you do it, and the more that you see God at work in your life and through your life, then you'll want to be a part of it in all kinds of different ways. Purpose is very important because... If you don't have a purpose for your life, you know what you do? You just try to get through life and you do whatever you can to avoid pain. So if you, if you have conversations with people that are just on survival mode, they're just trying to avoid pain at any cost. And how many know we live in societies and cultures of escapism? Like everyone trying to escape the pain of their life and usually it's because they've forgotten or they don't know the purpose for their life so making our life count is is really important but knowing the purpose that God has called us into is vital to advancing the kingdom of God you know there's a scripture that's found in Proverbs 29 18 and it says that without vision the people perish another translation of that says that without revelation the people cast off restraint and you know what that means it means that without any revelation about and for your life you end up in all kinds of bondage because the truth is when you are giving your life to something that's bigger than you then you will do whatever you can to sacrifice for it but also you'll put up with a little bit of pain this is what I've learned if there's a if there's a bigger picture I can put up with a little bit of pain if there's something that's more important to me than, than my circumstances, I'll, I'll hang in there a little bit. Do you understand? But the, the people that actually end up in a lot of bondage are usually people that don't have a revelation bigger than themselves. And so we get caught up. I'm not, that's not as a judgment. I'm just saying we need revelation because we're a people of revelation and we're made to hear from God. And we're made to be brought in on the plans of God. This is the purpose of why God has us here. And so if we're not doing the things that God's called us to, it's so easy to get distracted in so many things of this life. How many know like most of the things that actually take us out and the things that God has called us into are usually just the busyness of life? They don't have to be sin. They don't have to be like this big distraction. We could just get busy and almost like over-spiritualize it. Well, I'm just busy right now. Yeah, well, I got too much going on. And we actually can miss the bigger picture. So making our life count. And the scripture in the passage that I want to I go from today is Psalm 15. So if you have your Bible, pull out your Bible. You know this thing? This, this is called a Bible. And it's a great book. And um, I'm a big believer in, like, read your Bible, but also bring your Bible to church, read it off your phone or whatever, because you know what happens is that when you follow the scriptures, 
uh, more of it gets inside of you as you follow it along. So I'm a big believer of that because I forget so quickly. <laughs> That's really the truth. So I'm going to go to um, Psalm 15. This is a fantastic psalm where I think, you know, so much of the time, so many people are like, I want to experience more of God. I want to encounter what God has for me. I want to live the purpose that God has for my life. I especially want more of God's power. And what does it look like to be a person where their life is counting for the kingdom of God and living in the very place of God's presence? And here in Psalm 15 is David giving an insight to those that have access to the very presence of God. In fact, if you look at the last verse here in chapter 15, it says, he who does these things will never be shaken. So when you find a verse like that, you want to know, what do I have to do so that I'm not shaken in this life? What do I have to do to know that I can stay on the path that God calls me into? Don't you want to know those things? So the promise that David's saying is, listen, this is, like, this is almost like a, this is how we do life so that we live intended uh, the way that God's intended, but also that no matter what shakes around us, it doesn't shake us. And how many know the world is shaking? Psalm 15 Verse 1 says this. See, that's the Lord saying, this is me. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and he who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, has no slander on his tongue. He who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. How many could ever say that's a, that's a pretty great life? I mean, who gets to be in the very presence of the Lord? Who gets to be on the holy hill, the place where God's presence, where the very God, the great creator who still creates, by the way, where we get to be with him, where we get to experience him. Who are the people that get to live this? And David here is saying, this is what it takes to see God. Remember in Matthew when Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, and one of the Beatitudes is, is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Same thing. How is it that someone can live their life in a way that they get to encounter God and see God and experience God? And just as in Matthew, think how powerful that is, that, that this side of heaven, it's almost like where God is saying, but this side of heaven, it's, it's not just about waiting to experience what God has for us. It's about what God has for us in the here and the now and not wasting our life on other things, but encountering the very things that matter most this side of heaven. First Timothy 1.5 says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. How many know, like, it is, it is a beautiful thing to live with a free conscience. To have a clean conscience. I mean, like, all you have to do is have a little bit of a guilty conscience and you realize the value. How many know, like, when you're doing something wrong and you just know that that is not a good thing. Actually, that's God telling you, as God's child, that you belong to him and you shouldn't be doing that. Because the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. So that's one of the ways that we know we're not in the right place. But what Timothy is saying here is that, hey, listen, a pure heart is when God has your heart. Who is it that sees God? A pure heart 
is when God has your heart. Remember, the heart is the central line to the entire part of your whole being, to what matters the most. What you think about is, is what you believe, and what you believe is how you behave. So what you think about, it gets in your heart, and whatever gets in your heart makes its way out of your mouth. So if you sit with me for a minute, you're going to tell me who you are. You won't be able to not. Because what is ever in you is going to spill outside of you. In other words, if you're walking towards me with a, like a full glass of water and I bump into you, whatever's in that glass is going to spill out. Well, your life is a container. And so everything that's in you and when life hits you, which it will, life will hit you. How many know that's, that's how many know life doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to turn out? Do you know that yet? Those of you that don't, oh. I'm jealous, actually. But the truth is, is that life is going to bump us. Life is going to hit us sideways. And we're going to encounter things, and we're going to go through things. And when life hits us, whatever's inside of us is what comes out. It's not what you want to have come out. It's what's in you. And what David is saying here, the same thing that Paul is saying here, is this, there's something about blessed are the pure in heart, for they're the ones that see God. That's making your life count. Purified in heart literally means to be purified by fire. It means blameless. It means innocent. It means unstained with the guilt of anything. Again, having a clear conscience. There's one thing that I want to have this side of heaven in making my life count is I want to live upright for God because that's the model of my life. That's the reflection of my life. That's who who my whole life is spilling who I follow. Do you realize that? Your life is spilling who you say yes to. Your life is spilling who you trust. Your life is spilling who you respond to. Your life is spilling what you believe. Our faith is spilling from us all the time. And here's the thing that Paul, I mean, uh, that Timothy and David is saying is that God can only trust you to the ability that you can be trusted so it's not just what we want in this life. It's their sacrifice to it. And I say this all the time, but it, seriously, I probably say this every, every time I preach. There is a price tag to power. There is a price tag to walking in the thing that God has called you into. If there wasn't, everybody would be doing it. And if there, if there wasn't, we would see way more power in the church. We would see a lot more miracles. We would see a lot more things, not because of our goodness, but there's something about that God has said that he entrusts to his people that choose to live a life that's less about them and more about Jesus. Purified, clear conscience, faithfulness. Faithfulness actually reveals that we are trustworthy no matter what. There's some, do you realize actually, I mean, David, what, you know, God said about David that David was a man that he could trust. Kind of, it kind of blows me away because David was, if you read through the, you know, the failures in the Bible and the people that God trusted, it just makes me feel better about my life, if I'm going to be honest. Because the, tr the truth is, that's why God does it. But he gives us examples to say, hey, listen, it's not about your perfection. It's about his perfection. But there's something about a willingness. Because David's heart was, it was willing. It was, it's the surrender. Timothy was willing. He was, he was shy. He was timid. He had to step into stuff that was way outside of his comfort zone to make his life count while he was here. Yet he did it. Why did he do it? Because the kingdom was more important. It was more important than his weaknesses. So you got to ask yourself, how trustworthy are you? These are hard questions. How trustworthy am I? How trustworthy am I at my job? 
How trustworthy am I in my relationships? How trustworthy am I, you know, when nobody's looking? How trustworthy am I in my tithing, in my giving to the church, in how I serve the church, and how I love the church? How trustworthy am I with what God has already placed in my hands? You know, a big part of making our life count is being faithful with the entrustment that God has already given to us. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart is blessed are the faithful in heart. A trustworthy person is someone that says, when they say something, we know we can count on them. Do you know how valuable that is? That the ability and the dependability in the day and age where dependability is almost like a luxury. Because we, we don't expect much because a lot of people just don't fall through. Making our life count is being trustworthy with the right things that God has put in our hands. And being trusted with what we say, with how we serve, with how we love. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you want to see God? Be trustworthy with what God has already put in your hands. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, it is safe to tell the pure in heart for that, that they shall see God for only the pure in heart want to. Because there's a sacrifice to it. Like making your life count. Do you realize if you want to make your life count for what God has for you, it means you have to take less of yourself. Because how can we, this is sort of like an image, sort of like a picture. How can we have more of God's spirit in us if we're just putting God's spirit on top of so many other things? And it's like we add God's spirit and say, okay, fill me and use me and come in power. But the truth is we're filled with so much other rubbish that God's spirit, do you understand what I'm saying? Blessed are the pure in heart. You know what that really means? Blessed are the trustworthy in heart that they'll let go of those things and get rid of the things that hold them back from having more of God's spirit. And how many know you can actually have more of God's spirit or be right, but you can't have both. Almost like we have to die to being right all the time. We have to die to being perfect. We have to die to having all together. We have to die to being comfort. You really, everything in God's kingdom and the way that he works, I've never once had it happen where God's kingdom is advancing in my time, where it's convenient or where it's comfortable. I mean, if people need prayer. They don't need prayer at the most perfect time. They, you know, when trauma happens, when heartache happens, it always comes in the middle of the night. When we're doing things that God has invited us into, the kingdom of God is being trusted with things and people, which is what's so important to the Lord. And it's not about convenience. It's about, I want to be trustworthy with what God has invited me into. Therefore, I'm going to be faithful in what God has given to me. Trustworthy of heart means integrous of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that are integrous in their heart, for they shall see God. Integrity means like I just said, blameless. But it does not mean, and I think this is really important, that it doesn't mean sinless. And it doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't make any mistakes. It doesn't mean that we don't have any weaknesses. It just means that we understand that God is more concerned with the direction of our heart than he is with the sins that we commit. And we're so reliant upon him. And we just want to get rid of stuff that holds us back from what he's invited us into. The heart is a really big thing to the Lord. This central line of where, where God's called us, David knew about that. David knew all about the heart, the central line, the, the part of whatever it is that you were allowing to feed us. Because the truth is, whatever's feeding us is what's feeding the people around us. If you're a leader, that's really a true statement. But whatever, it's impossible to feed ourselves so much rubbish all the time and expect so much of God's spirit to come out of us. 
It's the dying to self. It's the, it's the thing of, Lord, I want you more than anything else. I want my life to count more than anything else. And, and how in the world, I love this, because I just want to just, I feel like the Lord is reminding me of some of these guys in the Bible, that God said, these are men of integrity. Noah, who was found drunk by his sons. Abraham, who slept and had a baby with a servant girl. David, who committed adultery and murder. And here God says, these are men of integrity. I mean, sometimes God's ways are just so confusing. Now, this is really important because God's not actually, you know, it's, this is a deeper issue here. It's not a picture of God excusing sin. But God is saying there's, there's a heart connection to God. And the truth is, the more, I think so much of the time, we, we, we react to sin instead of responding to God. And it's not about reacting to not, you know, trying to do all the wrong things and reacting to where we blow it. But instead, it's a response. It's, a, it's actually like a posture to God. And I think what God's saying in these people, where he's saying, these are men of integrity, is he's saying their heart posture before me is a, is a posture of integrity. Did they blow it? Absolutely. Were there consequences? Big consequences. We don't talk about consequences enough. There were a lot of consequences. It's not worth it. Do you know, one day I was, I don't, I don't know what I was doing, but I was talking, probably the dishes or something really spiritual. And, um, or driving, because those are the two things that usually... But I remember I was just talking to the Lord about something in particular um, about one of my friends who was just making just stupid decisions. And it's so frustrating. Isn't that frustrating when people make dumb decisions? Like we never do it, right? And I remember that the, I felt like the Lord said to me, Christy, if they actually saw that what they were saying yes to, they would never say yes to it. And I thought, isn't that true? Like we, if we actually saw like the darkness or whatever it is that's evil, whatever it is that isn't of God, behind what we empower and say yes to, we would never say yes to it. Those are consequences, aren't they? It's sort of like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. All these, all these men were repentant. And God said, these are men of integrity. This is a posture, pure in heart is integrous in heart, where it means that our posture before the Lord is that, yeah, Lord, when I blow it, I run to you. I'm not going to try to just run away from sin. I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get pure, pure in heart, integrous in heart. And the truth is, in our day and culture, we are so consumed with image. And we are so consumed. I'll tell you, blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they shall see God. And what David's saying here, all of these things are actually contrary to the culture around us. They're contrary to the things that in culture of where we're trying to get pulled into all kinds of different things. And we like are wanting to put God on top of it. And in this integrity, it means literally to have your life integrated. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the integrous in heart, for they shall see God. The word integrous actually means, obviously, integrity. It means to be integrated. What it's saying is that we don't live a segregated life. So let me break this down for you. Blessed are those whose heart is all together, whose life is all together. In other words, there's not the God part, the church part. You know, this, this is when I go to church. This is how I act when I'm at church. This is how I act when I'm out with my friends. This is how I act when I have my money. But when I'm in church, I'm a different person. It's blessed are, it's having an integrated heart. It means that your life is not segregated. Those are the people that see God. David lists some here. How can we actually be a person of our word? 
How can we actually not abuse money? How can we actually not lie or slander about other people if we're living a segregated life? If we choose to have different parts of us, you know, at different places for different reasons and different, you know, relationships? No. It means that it's all integrated. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those whose lives are integrated into one. That's integrity at its very best. Our heart is to be fully connected to God. Our heart is not to live divided. That's what it means to be blessed are the pure in heart. Proverbs 3.21 says this, and I love this because this is in the NLT. It says, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way and your feet will not stumble. Like, just think about this for a minute. Do not lose sight of common sense and discernment. So when God puts something in the Bible, it means we're going to encounter it, which means we're going to lose our sense, which means we're going we're gonna to need times of discernment. And the, the proverb here is don't lose it. You got to hold on to that thing. It's so precious because it keeps you on the right path. It keeps us on the, on the path of living integrated before God. To have parts of us separated from God is to live divided. Do you realize it's living the opposite of what God has invited you into in his kingdom? It's all to be integrated together. Nikki Six said this of faith. He said, like icebergs, people normally expose only a small part of themselves, and generally just the part they wish to show. And that is the opposite as blessed in the pure heart. That is the opposite what David is saying here in Psalm 15, that we only show the parts that we're willing for other people to see. It's all of who we are before Jesus. Pure in heart means connected to God. Pure in heart, like a vine dressed, like John 15 talks about. Do you realize that in John 15, where, where Jesus, I mean, if we really think about the power of John 15, where he says, stay connected to me, where Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Just that verse alone, apart from me, you can't do anything. Think of how many things that we do that we think we can do without Jesus. And do you know that when Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying this, this is right before he's going to go to the cross. This is right before. And he's having to explain to them, hey, listen, you're going to have to know how to live under persecution. You're going to have to know how to handle money. You're going to have to learn to handle the pressure and people wanting to martyr you. You're going to have to know what it's going to have to be like without me. And Jesus is saying, the only way that you're actually going to be able to do this, in other words, the only way that we're going to be able to live pure in heart is to stay connected to Jesus, to stay connected to his heart, to not allow anything to come between us and him. Every part of you is to be connected to God. Every part of who you are, even the ones that you're embarrassed of. That's why all through that passage in John 15, where it says to abide, to remain, you know what it literally means? It means don't run away, stay put. And, and stuff that comes off your life that's not healthy, God is the great pruner and he cuts those things away. Why does he do that? Because pruning is painful. But why does he do that? Because he knows that only death comes to those things that remain on us, that actually kill us from living an integrous life. So pruning is actually a gift that God gives to us. It's painful. How many have ever had God cut things away and you're like, ouch, that hurts. I don't understand it. 
And, and a lot of things, we don't understand this side of heaven, but pruning is actually a sign of God's love to us because he's saying those things are going to hold you back from the call of where I'm, 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 I'm taking you. Those things are actually going to infect, you know, the other parts of who you are. Do you realize that if you had cancer only in your pinky and you just said, ah, it's not that big of a deal, it's only in my pinky, just let it go. Do you realize that that would actually end up infecting the entirety of your body? It would end up killing you. And sometimes I think it's, you know, we have these parts to Jesus and we think, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, that will get dealt with. I'm sure, that's, I'm sure God's okay with that. Or I'm sure that's not going to ruin what it is that God's called me into. And I'm just here to tell you, it's the little things that usually crush God's spirit within us. And it's the little things that infect the other parts of who we are. Is that not true? Because they slowly grow. And you know why? Because they're sneaky. The enemy's sneaky. He's so sneaky. He's a thief. He's called a thief for a reason, right? Thieves don't like, hey, listen, I'm here. You know, they're sneaky. They come in. They steal. They kill. He's, you know, destroy us. He's pretty clear about his plan. And so staying connected to Jesus is the place where it keeps us in the pure of heart. And how do we know that we're actually doing what it is that God has called us to do? We're producing the right things. I mean, fruit is, not, fruit is something that you can't hide. Like if you've got something coming from your life, spilling from your life that's not good, you can't hide it. You can hide it for a period of time, but eventually you're going to spill it. How do we know that we're actually doing the very things that God has called us to do? Good fruit is being produced. How do we know good fruit is being produced? Well, love, joy, but it's not just all the fruits of the Spirit. It's also that our life is actually spilling the things that are most important to God. And what's important to God should be important to us. In other words, the things that God loves. God loves it when people get free. God loves it when people get healed. God loves it when people get saved. And when we're a part of those things, God loves it because that's our greatest call. Whatever that looks like for you in whatever context that God calls you into and the things that will cause us to be unfruitful is when we allow things within our heart that keep us disconnected from God's spirit. So David here, he's saying, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who's going to live on God's holy hill? It's he's who, he whose walk is blameless and he who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth. How many know we're living in a time and in a day where almost like speaking the truth, it, you know, it's hard. Is it not hard? It's hard. It's one of the reasons why I just did a whole thing on offended, did a whole Bible thing on it, and I was offended during the whole thing. Like I realized this is really, a, I don't want to do any more series on things like offended. I want to do a series on prosperity because I have to live it. So once I started studying about offended, everybody came out of the closet and offended me because that's the way that it works and started seeing things about my life because that's the way that it works. God begins to show us things about our life that are actually stealing the very things that God wants to connect us to. He wants to connect us to him and to his purpose for our life. That's what it looks like to make our life count. It's hard these days. It's hard to speak the truth in love these days. It's hard to hear it. It's hard to, this is, this is tough. These are tough things that David is saying, but he's talking about, you know, keeping our, our words in a purity and how we talk about each other and how we cover one another and how we love one another and how we serve one another. Do you realize how many one another's are in the Bible? There's a reason for that because that's, 
Blessed are the pure in heart, doesn't have any slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong. I mean, these are tough things. I mean, we all love our neighbors until they do something wrong. You know what I mean? Until something happens. Who casts no slur. Again, it's about the tongue. Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord. How many know we're living in a day and a time where there's not a healthy fear of the Lord? Like we're missing a healthy fear of the Lord. Because the truth is we are not thinking that God is actually a God of justice. And David is saying here, there's something about having a healthy fear of the Lord that I don't want to give myself to that because the witness of my life, but also because the God that I worship. I mean, the Apostle Paul talked about this. He goes, I don't want to do anything in my life that would actually ruin the witness of my life. I don't want to do anything that will hurt the gospel. I don't want to do anything that will hurt the name of Jesus. That is somewhat missing in our culture. Because we're more like, what am I going to get? What am I going to receive? And this is all about, what am I going to die to? I'm going to die to my opinions. I'm going to die to, you know, kind of going off of people. I'm going to die about, you know, the ways that I interact with people and how I love people and how I serve people. But also, how you handle your money matters. Because David is saying here, these are the people that will be on God's holy hill. He who does these things will not be shaken. I love that. I would rather die to myself in some things and be pure in heart and strive for that. And when I say strive for that, I'm not talking about my own power. I'm talking about where I'm just willing to like, you know, say I'm sorry once in a while. Where I'm willing to just kind of take less of me, wherever it is that God's taking, whatever it is that's just not important. Do you know that it's why when people go through really traumatic and uh, circumstances and they come out the other side and they're like, you know, I really thought that was important, but it's not so important anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of getting to that place where we realize the things of God, God's kingdom are more important than just the little things of this earth. And if we would just put up with a little bit of pain, a little bit of a cranky neighbor, a little bit of like hearing stuff about us and holding our tongue or whatever it is, because we want to live as people that are integrous. We want to live an integrated life. In other words, I want to say I love you, but then I also want to go in the other room and say I love you. You know what I mean? And not curse you out. Integrated life. I love this. And I love the promise of being connected that John 15 talks about. And I love how God actually reminds us that he is the great pruner. And he will cut away those things that actually hurt us the most. Pure in heart. Let me finish with this. Pure in heart means that our motivations are clear. You know, this is really important. We don't talk about motivations enough. We want the power of God, but we don't want to talk about what is our motivation behind it. Our motivations behind encountering God, seeing God, loving God, having God move. But the Bible teaches us that the right thing with the right motives really matters. And that our agendas and why we, there's no hidden agenda. That that's really important. Motivation, it literally means it's defined as a reason beyond a character or specific action or behavior. The motivations of why I love Jesus are pure. For the most part, I'm doing the best I can. The motivations behind why I serve, the motivations behind why I give. Like I'm giving, not with some big expectation in return, but I'm giving because that's how God's asked me to give. My motivation before the Lord is, is best that I can. 
I think there's a, a part of that, that's where God's saying all of these men that, that blew it time and time again, that they were integrous men because behind it, their motivation, their intentions, that they would get back up and that they would be people of repentance. And we need repentance back in the church. We need to be quick to repent. It's not worth it. Can I just say that? Like, why do we hold on to stuff that it's just not worth it? Just repent and get over it. Stop building a case on why you get to hold on to something. Repent, get it off of you so that God can use you in a deeper way. Does that make sense? Pure in heart literally means unmixed motives. It means that my motivations, you know, my my. Uh, my agenda is not something that's hidden, but it's out in the front. It's out in the clear. It means free from corrupt desire, from sin. Again, it means to be free from guilt, to have a clear conscience. My motives are clean. Do you realize it takes more energy to fight God or to defend yourself rather than just surrender and repent? It just takes way more energy to fight all that stuff. And giving all we have to God, we're just saying, God, you form me. You make me. Do you realize that most of the time when we feel like God is breaking us, he is making us. And he's molding us so that we can be entrusted with his present. And if we're really going to be honest, there are always parts in us that aren't pure. There's always parts in us that need work on. Never have I gone before the Lord ever and been like, yeah, I'm good. I mean, if you, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've never been like, oh yeah, I'm good today. All right, here we go. You know what I mean? No. It's like every time I go before the Lord, he reveals something in me that he wants to work on. Is that not true? There's always a bit. If you don't know this about yourself, you are in trouble. Because the truth is, you know, I've said for years because I you know, used to work with worship leaders quite a bit, and especially when, you know, worship became a thing, you know, all these years ago, 30 years ago. And, and you know, it was before there was money, bands, all that kind of stuff. I'm really dating myself. But a lot of money started coming in. And I remember that worship leaders would say, I would never do that. I would never sell out. I would never. I want to just write for Jesus. I just want to do worship for Jesus. And I'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, you know, at the end of the day, you actually don't know what your sellout price is until it's offered to you. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us. I think having pure in our heart, purity in our heart, is realizing how much we need Jesus and how, how many times we often fail. And the truth is you do have to know your sellout price. And you, you do have to know your weak areas because the truth is the enemy is a thief. And he's looking to come in. It's not just in our weaknesses. It's also our strengths. That's why God says that, you know, lots of people, they get tested by the praise they receive. You know, praise can do people in. I think one of the things of knowing, uh, you, know, and, uh, you know, about us that's really important is just knowing that without Jesus, we just don't do very well. And without God's power, we really are all one step away from stupid. That's the truth. I think pure in heart is just recognizing that, listen, I'm not perfect, but my, I want my motives to be clear. I want them to be clean. And you know why? Because I would rather have more of Jesus than look like I have everything together to the world. 
I would rather be somebody who's entrusted to be in the very presence of God and to be one who gets to minister in the power of God. I'd rather have that than all of the temporary things of this life that the enemy tries to sell us out on. But we have to make that decision every day, several times a day, where we die to ourselves in order to make our life count for Jesus. It's an ongoing decision, is it not? It's an ongoing decision. I think the first thing is realizing, you know what? There's actually some things in me that I don't think are really that great. <laughs> One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 51.10. It says, create in me uh, a pure heart, right? And I love this because translated, it's, it's created in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. But translated what that means is, Lord, would you create this, which means cause it to come into existence. So in other words, it doesn't exist right now. Like how many have ever just woken up and you're like, I really just don't want to do what God's want me to do today. You're all, all lying because we're all there. there. We all wake up days and we're like, oh yeah, like I really don't want to go pray for that person today. I really don't want to go, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church. I don't want, all of us feel those things. The kingdom of God is not a feeling. It's a verb. You just get up and you do it. And if you feel it, it's a luxury. And I love this verse in 5110 of Psalm because it says, God, would you actually cause that to come into existence? Were you created in me? Where that blessed are the pure in heart. Create in me a pure heart where that does not exist. In other words, where I don't have a hunger for God like I should. Lord, would you cause it to come into existence? Would you create it? Would you form it? Would you make it? That's the promise of God here. Where, where I don't have the passion that I wish I had. That the truth is there's days when I'm like, man, I really don't want to do what it is that God is asking me to do. I don't want to do it. And I have to force myself to do it. But I do pray, Lord, would you create it in me? Put it in me. Form it in me. Another scripture that I love is in Ezekiel 11 where it says, Lord, would you put your spirit inside of me and move me to obey you? Like move my heart, change my heart to love the things you love, to hate the things you hate. And so I think being honest about where we're at, that promise of how do we live pure, the word of God, Psalm 119 says that uh, how can a, a young person live pure? By living according to God's word. One of the ways that we live pure in heart is that we just know this. This is how we do battle. In fact, the, the, the quickest you are to recognize a lie from the enemy tells you how much of God's word is inside of you. This is how we fight the enemy coming after us. This is how we recognize a lie. This is how we recognize a trap, that we have God's word hidden and deep inside of us, like David said, so I won't sin against you, Lord, because I'm going to sin. And if I don't have this in me, I know I'm going to do wrong. He causes it to come into existence. We have this short amount of time that goes so fast of whether or not we're going to live for ourselves or whether or not we're going to live for God. And the truth is, it's not easy. And it's a choice. It's a daily dying to self. I love what Max Licato said. He said, God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. Like at the end of the day, and let me finish with this. At the end of the day, as the church and making our life count, if we would live our life more in light of eternity and not get so caught up in here, we would live as a more pure church. In other words, we would, we would say no to these temporary things 
of luxury or life or whatever it is that steal God in our lives. We would put up with a little bit of pain. If it's all for eternity, if we're living in light of eternity, this is just part, this is the rehearsal. This isn't the real thing. We're just actually, you know, getting prepared for the rest of our life. Don't get so caught up in being uncomfortable for a little bit. If we would just live our life in light of eternity, we would so go out for, for God and his kingdom unlike I think we would ever see if we would have that perspective. Making our life count is realizing, you know what? This life is not really all, you know, it's cracked up to be. <laughs> but all of eternity and realizing every time we pray for somebody, every time we show up somewhere, every time we die to something, that we're putting something in our eternal account that nobody can take from us, that's a life worth living. That's making our life count. That we have all of this, this, this time to do these little opportunities for God's kingdom, but those things can never be taken from us. That's living our life in light of eternity. So I can put up with a little bit of pain here, and there's pain. And I can put up with a little bit of heartache, and there's heartache. But that's okay because that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story of your life. So you saying yes to God and asking God to heal those things inside of you and bring a purity and cause things to come into existence where they need to exist so that you can follow God with everything that's in you. I think that's what it means. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Amen. Let's pray over ourselves. Let's just pray over our heart for a minute. Don't you love that scripture in Psalm 5110? Like, Lord, cause that to come into existence. Lord, created in us. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you equip us with your word, that you speak to us with your word. I pray, Lord, that you would hide your word deep within us, Lord. Everyone that's here, everyone that's watching, I pray, Lord, that you would take your word, Lord, and sharpen us. I pray, Lord, that you would take your word and that you would cut away the things that steal the purity, Lord, that you've called us to. Lord, the temporary things of this life, Lord, the things that we would sell out on, Lord, cut them away. I pray, Lord, that you take your word, the power of your word, and I pray, Lord, that it would change us, that it would restore us. I pray, Lord, that for each of us here, Lord, that you would bring your restoring power. And I pray that scripture, Lord. We want to be a people, Lord, that are entrusted to be a dwelling place for your presence, to be a person, Lord, that you don't just visit, but you inhabit. Lord, we want to be a people of your inhabitation. Lord, pick us. Choose us, Lord. Lord, help us to say no to all the things that are just not even worth it. Just not even worth it. Lord, help us to see the bigger picture of what matters most. And I pray, Lord, that Psalm 5110 verse over us, Lord, that you would create in us a pure heart, Lord, that you would cause it to come into existence. And I pray, Lord, that in doing so, that you would stabilize us, Lord, that we would not be shaken. We would not be shaken by our circumstances. We would not be shaken by the world's circumstances. Lord, that we would not be shaken by the unknown but that we would be firm in your presence and your peace.